0: You are listening to The Mystic Show, episode 148. Welcome, everybody, to The Mystic Show. I wasn't sure my microphone was on for some reason. I have my headphone volume pretty low right now. But I'm your host, Chris Curran. I'm happy you're able to join me again on this Mystic Show where we talk about spirituality and meditation and mindfulness and a lot of subjects that I call unseen and otherworldly. And our guest today, very special guest, is... is. I, I just can't wait to get to this Get to my guest um, The purpose of this show, as you know Is for you and I To talk about these subjects And ho- hopefully implement These principles in our lives So we can benefit from them um, Because the most important things in life Are these subtle aspects And we, you know, as we live our day-to-day lives We we overlook them And it's easy to get caught in the rat race So relax and listen to this episode of The Mystic Show uh, We release new episodes Every Friday morning, very early And you can hear the podcast On iTunes, Stitcher TuneIn Radio And of course the website TheMysticShow.net Where you can hear All the previous episodes All 147 previous episodes um, And also on the website Real quick, you can sign up for our Behind the scenes email list Which um, I send out a weekly email, just what's happening behind the scenes of The Mystic Show, behind the curtain. And you also get a free piece of audio. It's actually four pieces of audio, totaling like 47 minutes. It's relaxing music, and I read Rumi quotes over it. It's very cool, and it's free. So if you just sign up for the email list, you can get that audio and and relax from time to time. And... The plan for this episode is to interview our very special guest, and I want to just start by saying that in your life, we I know that there's been people in your life who have passed on, and maybe they were very close and important people in your life, and maybe they were distant relatives, or maybe it's just uh, public figures that you really identified with that have passed on, and there's always this thinking right in in spirituality in general like you know what happens when we die right because we don't really know we've heard a lot from a, many different people throughout the ages of what happens after death but um, it, it's just this mystery and and I think it's part of being human right I mean death is inevitable and we're all gonna die or our, our bodies are gonna die so our guest today we're going to talk about this and we're going to talk about certain aspects of this, which are really applicable, I think, in our lives. So our guest is Dr. Jamie Turndorf. She's the author of Love Never Dies, which is a book uh, published by Hay House. She also has four other books. She's known as Dr. Love as well after launching the world's first free relationship advice website in the early 90s which was uh, Um, She has her PhD in clinical psychology, and she's been a therapist since the early 80s. And she's been on almost every major radio and TV station talking about um, everything, relationship psychology, and now the subject of her current book, uh, which is how, the subtitle, I'll read it, How to Reconnect and Make Peace with the Deceased. So, this is exciting. So, Dr. Jamie Turndorf, welcome to The Mystic Show. Hello. It's so good to be with you. I am so happy we connected, and I have your book right here. Um, You've had quite a career before you wrote this book, and you wrote this book uh, because of a, a, a major, major personal experience in your life. So, I think we should start there. Maybe just... Explain how this book came about. Love never dies. All
1: right. I'm going to do that. And I guess I just have to give you and your listeners a little backstory and then you'll understand. So it'll take me a few minutes, but I'll just lay it all out for you. Sure. So when I was a young girl, Chris, I had a detailed premonition of the guy that I was going to marry. I actually saw his face, I saw his body, I saw him fleshed out. So I just decided I was going to wait for him to appear. And I didn't date. It was a very unusual story. And he actually did appear on the first day of my freshman year at Vassar College. I'd been shut out of all intro sociology classes, and I really wanted to take sociology. So I asked the department secretary, Judy Catwalader, what can I do? And she said, go ask the department chair, Jean Pin, if he can find a seat for you in one of the closed classes. Well, the minute I stepped into Jean's office... I had the first and only out-of-body experience of my life. I literally felt my soul shooting at high speed through a tunnel to the end of my life. And when I shot back into my body, I received the message, remember every aspect of this meeting, he is going to be everything to you one day. Mm -hmm. And then I forgot all about it and went about my life as a Vassar student. Now, right after meeting Jean, I found out, Chris, that for most of his life, Jean had been one of the most famous Jesuit priests in history. He taught at the Vatican. He founded a movement called Liberation Theology, designed to fight church oppression from within, and he actually launched to international fame when he publicly opposed the Pope and the Catholic Church as they were trying to block the legalization of divorce. And he was a radical feminist Jesuit priest, and he didn't want to see women trapped in marriages where they were being abused. So he fought on the grounds of religious freedom. The church should butt out of the private sector. He won. He got the divorce bill passed, changed the course of Italian history, and soon after, the Pope granted him the dispensation of his vows so he wasn't excommunicated. He left the Jesuit order and the priesthood, and he was recruited by Vassar, where he had been serving as chair of the Department of Sociology for 10 years on the day that I met him. Now, I have to also say, Chris, because this is very important in our story, my background was completely different from Jean's. I was raised by two devoutly atheist parents. The only religion my parents practiced was religiously hating each other's guts. Oh, <laughs> okay. Wow. They taught me not to believe in God or the afterlife. And so my background, as you can see, was very different from Jean's. Right. Now, In the senior year at Vassar, I needed help with the statistical portion of my thesis, and I had heard that, among other things, Jean had been a very famous statistician, having founded the Vatican's first and only social research center. So even though he wasn't my advisor, I asked him if he would help me with the statistics, and he cheerfully gave me his time. And within a couple of weeks, we just knew, Chris, we were crazy for each other. We were twins separated at birth. We were just soulmates. Mm. So from that moment on, we were inseparable. We wrote books together. We restored houses together. We just rejoiced in every moment we had together. Now, in the last year of Jean's bodily existence, we both started having a premonition. He was going to die of an accident. We just didn't know when or where it was going to happen. On the day we left for our final vacation in Italy, lightning struck our rose arbor and just destroyed it. And then the next thing I knew, I saw 40 huge black crows in the yard and I thought, this is not good. But we went anyway. Mm -hmm. And one day, while we were sitting on the beach, Jean's hand was up over his head as if to block the rays of the sun. The next thing I know, Chris, a bee swoops down and stings his left hand at the exact location of Christ's stigmata, and I watch my beloved suffocate to death in front of my eyes. Now, I can't even describe to you the trauma of having him ripped from me in this way. I'm hysterical, and I go back to the hotel room, and I collapse on the bed, and I'm lying there shaking and crying and trembling. And the next thing I know, I feel that man's hand stroke the entire length of my spine. Now I sit bolt upright. I look over my shoulder. I don't see anything, but I know he was there and he has been with me ever since. And his astonishing manifestations to this day have proven to me, we don't die. And therefore Our relationships are not meant to end in death. And so I have created my groundbreaking new transdimensional grief therapy method that completely diverges from the Western approach to grief, which is grieve, let go, and move on, and do it in six months. And if you're not done, we're going to give you psychiatric labels and drugs. Obviously, this whole approach just leaves the bereaved at a greater loss. Instead, my method shows you how to say hello, not goodbye, to your loved ones in spirit, and how to do it without the assistance of a medium, a channeler, or a psychic. And then there's just one more thing. As a shrink, I also know that millions of people worldwide harbor unfinished business with those in spirit. And again, traditional Western grief therapy offers us no way of making peace with the deceased. So, my method not only shows you how to reconnect, but also using my dialoguing with the departed technique, I show you how you can talk back and forth with loved ones in spirit to make peace.
0: Wow. And you do this, obviously, because it's been happening with you. So you've had many, many communications with uh, Jean over the years, correct? Correct.
1: Oh my goodness, up until this moment, up till this morning. And if you want, I can even tell you, I can take you with me on the Love Never Dies journey. The book is is broken down into three parts. Part one is my ongoing journey with Jean from the night he stroked my my back. Would you like me to share a few of those stories?
0: Yeah, and then, then uh, I have some what might be considered maybe deeper questions I definitely want to get into about the other side and and all that stuff. So yeah, but share some examples for sure.
1: All right. Well, then what we can do, You know, I try to give people a sense of the experience. Part two of Love Never Dies talks about how it's even possible and helping people overcome all the false beliefs and the misconceptions that block us from reconnecting. And then in part three of Love Never Dies, I show you how to make your own connection, how to dialogue. So, here's the thing. When I came back from Italy, you know, and I'm alone in our bed for the first time in nearly 30 years, I hear Jean quoting something to me. It's a passage, but I don't know what it is. So, hold that in abeyance. I'll come back to that in a minute. Okay. The next morning, I come down to the kitchen, and I hear Jean saying to me, Jamie, open the kitchen door. I want to show you something. So, I open the door to the garden, and sitting on the stoop is a little chipmunk. And I can immediately see this chipmunk is in a trance. His eyes are almost closed. He's not moving. He doesn't freak out or run from me. And as I stare at this chipmunk, who's literally right in front of me, he begins to mimic my husband's bodily departure. He puts his little hands on his little face and he starts ripping and ripping at his face and he's choking and he's gasping. And of course, tears are pouring down my face as I'm watching him recreate my husband's bodily departure. And after 20 minutes of this torment, I see this little chipmunk visibly cough up a wonk of mucus and he's in peace. And I knew in this moment, my husband was speaking to me through this little animal I have since termed animals, both domestic and wild, open vessels, because our loved ones are able to speak to us through these open vessels. Mm. Now, the next thing that happened, I had to fax Jean's death certificate to Verizon. I had sent many multi-page faxes throughout the day. The fax machine worked fine. But when it came time to faxing his death certificate, the cover letter went through without a hitch. But the death certificate hung up. The fax froze and wouldn't do it. I tried with the obit. Again, cover letter faxes without a hitch. But the obit won't go. I tried 20 times. I finally just give up. I vaguely get the sense Jean is trying to tell me something. The next day, I go to my lawyer's office. And I don't say why. I just hand the documents to the secretary. And I ask her, would you fax them for me? And I'm waiting and waiting. After about 20 minutes, all the secretaries come out of the back and they're weeping. And they say to me, Jamie, we tried 20 times. Each time the cover letter faxes without a hitch, but the death certificate and the obit will not fax. They said, he's trying to tell you he's not gone. (laughs) Mm. Okay. So now I go home. And again, later that day, I have to fax his death certificate somewhere else. And again, Jean hangs it up. So this time I say to him, Listen, Jean, I think you're doing this because I keep forgetting that you're still here. If I try to remember, will you let this fax go through in its entirety? I cancel the fax. I feel, Chris, a tidal wave of love pouring over me. And I knew this was Jean's way of saying to me, you heard me right. I heard you. So I reissue the fax. It goes through in its entirety. So... At this point, I'm starting to realize something pretty wild is happening. Strangers are walking up to me. They don't know me, didn't know Jean, don't know I'm widowed. And they just say to me, your husband says, tell our story. And then they walk on.
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> now, uh, also around this time, I felt the need to pray to Jean on behalf of a friend. I had never prayed in my life. As I said, I was raised as an atheist. So I'm in the car And I say to him out loud, Jean, please help my friend Emily find love. Again, Chris, I feel that tidal wave of love and I register it's Jean's acknowledgement. He heard my prayer. That night, I, oh, and I look at the clock on my dashboard after I feel the tidal wave of love. And I see that it is 545. I see it. That night, I get a phone call from Emily She says to me, Jamie, I want to tell you something that happened to me today. I said, what happened? She said, at 5.45, I fell into a trance. She said, your husband appeared to me. Now, she's never even seen a photo of him. She describes him to a T. She says, he told me to find love, follow the gray stones to the church in your neighborhood. That's what she said. Now, this was so flabbergasting because literally he was repeating the words of my prayer, help her find love, to her to validate his presence, to validate he heard me using her as an intercessor. A week later, I go to my professional group. She tells this amazing story. When she gets to the part about Jean having sent her to a church in her neighborhood, another member of our professional group named Mitch Mitch Wood, a former seminarian, says, what was the name of the church that he sent you to? She says, oh, the Claremont Church. Mitch says, oh my gosh, the Claremont Church is New York City's only liberation theology seminary. Remember I said Jean was a founder of the liberation theology movement? Hmm. So he literally put his stamp on that manifestation in more ways than one. Mm -hmm. Now, I just want to give you one more story, and this one is a really good example of how our loved ones dialogue with us, not only through open vessels, which could be humans who are open or animals, but how they also dialogue with us through what I call earthly props in the form of electronic devices, phones, this kind of thing. So, one day, I am crying. And that was my hobby, especially in the early days. I was mm. on the floor of my closet and I'm crying. Wow. And I am thinking, oh, Jean, I need to talk to my friend Anne. No, I can't bother her. It's the middle of her work day. Don't bother her. And after 20 minutes of this weeping, I hear my phone ringing in the distance. So I pull myself up off the closet floor. I run to the phone. It's Anne. She says, Jamie, did you just call me? <laughs> I said, No. I said, No, Anne, but I was thinking I need to talk to you. She says, Jamie, my phone rang and your name and number appeared on the caller ID. Mm. So we were so blown away that Jean actually used the electronic earthly prop to let her know I needed to speak to her because I was thinking I needed to. A year later, I have a very bad chest cough. I cannot breathe, and I'm scared and I'm thinking, I'm going to die. I'm going to suffocate just the way Jean did. And I say to him in this moment, Jean, I'm begging you, please prove to me you're here with me now. Do that caller ID phone trick. Do it with my housekeeper, Donna. Please do it right now. Two seconds later, Chris, my phone rings. It's Donna. She says, Jamie, did you call? I said, Donna... I asked y'all to do the caller ID phone trick. She said, Jamie, my phone rang and your name and number appeared on the caller ID. So we were so freaked out. So around this time, I now go to a writer's group headed up by Gabe Davis. Gabe a devout Jewish atheist. He's been listening to my stories whenever we meet, and he's been listening to my caller ID phone trick stories. So he says in this meeting, "You know, I would like to see that caller ID phone trick repeated, and I would like to see whether your phone call log shows a record of having been manipulated to dial out even though you didn't use the phone." So I forget all about his challenge. A month later, after the writers group, I'm driving behind Gabe and his wife to meet them for dinner. All of a sudden, Chris out of nowhere, again I feel that tidal wave of love. I look at the clock on the dash, it's 4:58. I get to the restaurant, Gabe stampedes me. He says, "Jamie, you won't believe what happened." I say, "Gabe, what happened?" He says, "At 4:58, my cell phone rang. I looked at the caller ID, Your name and number was on the display. I picked up the phone and a man's voice said, is Jamie there? Is Jamie there? He said the voice had an accent and it prolonged the syllable of the word there. And I said, well, Jean was French and he did prolong that syllable. He said it wasn't a real call. The voice just faded away. It never clicked off. He says, go get your phone. See if it dialed me. I dig into the bottom of my purse, Chris. I hadn't used the phone all day. Sure enough, 4.58, my phone had dialed Gabe. So what is the point of all these over-the-top manifestations? John told me right after he left his body, Jamie, let our love shine like a torch that lights the path for others. So the point here is these manifestations are not just for me. They're for you. They're for everybody listening to let you know that your loved ones are here with you too. They're just waiting for you to open up the door of your heart and let them back in.
0: Yeah, that's actually what I was going to comment on before the the phone call examples um, was that you seem to be in a certain state like you kind of had to put yourself in a, almost like a state of surrender where you're you're just allowing divinity or whatever to do its thing and then it'll happen uh, and i know you talk about in your book that you know anger blocks the communication and everything um so for the listeners of this show um i'm pretty sure they all understand what you're talking about and totally and yeah. believe that like you know phenomena like this happens for sure Um, Absolutely. And I just wanted to know what is the state of our loved ones on the other side? Like, what, how are they? Where are they? What are they?
1: All right. So here we go. This worked kind of, you're doing a great job because you're actually segueing perfectly into part two of Love Never Dies. (laughs) Okay. So in part two, I'm really talking about who they are, where they are, how it's even possible, what's the latest science. And of course, also from what Jean's told me, all kinds of false beliefs we have about the afterlife that actually block us from reconnecting. So let me tell you the first thing that we all need to know that really gets in our way. And this I'm hearing straight from Jean and uh, from all my uh, patients, loved ones in spirit. We are told, as I discovered, that it's really not possible or even advisable to stay in connection with our loved ones in spirit. Now, I discovered that this is the false belief and that it is so dead wrong. The very, very day that I went to meet Jean's priest in order to prepare the readings for his funeral. Now, remember I said the first night back he was quoting something to me, Chris? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what it was. So I go in to meet his priest for the first time. And I say, Jean's been quoting something to me. And the priest raises his brow in obvious skepticism, like, yo, this babe has lost her marbles, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But then when I proceed to tell him what Jean said, and I quote it, the priest goes white, he blanches, he crosses himself, and he says, Dear God, Jamie... At first, I did not believe that Jean is speaking to you, but I believe you now. He said, you are quoting an obscure biblical passage from the communion of saints. Like I would know, Chris, as I said, I never read the Bible, Mm -hmm. never went to church. And Jean and I did not discuss religion, at least not when he lived in a body. It took me one year to understand why Jean chose to quote that passage to me. And only that passage. Remember, he was a religious pioneer in life. He continues to be in the afterlife. What John was telling me here is that the Bible is telling us we are supposed to reconnect and stay connected to our loved ones in spirit because the communion of saints says that our loved ones in spirit are one with or in communion with God and the saints. And since the Bible is telling us we're supposed to stay in communion and communication with God and the saints, it means we're supposed to stay in communion and communication with our loved ones in spirit because they are one with God. God and the saints. So, the point being here, what we've been told about the afterlife is dead wrong. Heaven is a state, not a place. Heaven is all around us. Heaven is here and now. So, this is. You know, Jean said, death is an illusion. There's a very thin veil between the realm where you are and the realm where I am. The veil is thinner than you can ever imagine. I'm standing right here. Now, the notion of um, we need to reconnect and stay connected because heaven is all around us and heaven is here and now leads me into a second really big misconception that even if people believe, oh, yeah, you might be able to communicate for a little bit. Another misconception is once they're in heaven, they're out of reach and that you have to wait until you die and leave your body and you reconnect with them in heaven. Now, Jean made this clear because heaven is a state, not a place, and it's all around us. What we've been told about the afterlife is dead wrong. It's not, oh, the cell towers from earth are too weak to reach heaven. <laughs> you know, they can't hear mm. us. We can't hear it's, All of this is untrue. So, and I talk in part two, of Love Never Dies about the actual science behind this, you know, the quantum physicists are, are actually discovering that the dark matter, you know, the 95% of our universe that's dark matter is really where our loved ones in spirit exist. And the dark matter is, as Jean said, it's all around us. They 're in the dark matter that 's what we believe now, so this is another really important point that we're hearing from spirit, from Jean, from everybody, and that is uh, we're right here, and there's no reason for you to live in a wasteland separated from those you love, waiting until you'd supposedly die to be reconnected with them. Reconnect now
0: right, right right y- you know some of some of the masters have said that once we die w- once we once our soul drops the body. Um, it also because the mind is like a knot between the body and the soul. Right. That there also on the that there is no mind. There's just a soul when we move on to the other side. Absolutely. So so then how do how do they actually communicate? with us if they have no mind if it's just a pure soul
1: because if you're reading and i talk about this now love never dies just came out in paperback a couple of weeks ago and i have a whole section on the latest science Mm. where they talk about non-local consciousness the survival of consciousness consciousness is not tied to the mind it's very baffling but it is not tied to the mind you can be brain dead and still your consciousness and your soul lives on so, I mean, it's really a very, very heady conversation, but essentially it's just we shed the turtle shell and everything else about us continues. Our not, our, it's sort of like some people think of it as um, like a, a cable box. Signals are being sent to it, always being sent. We can send, signals are sent, but it's not tied to the mind. We ted- shed the turtle shell. We shed the mind, but consciousness and soul lives on. It's non-local. It's not tied to the body. It's not tied to the brain.
0: Right. Are all of the souls who have passed on, are all of them willing to communicate with the living?
1: Okay, so here's the thing. All right, so everybody wants to connect with loved ones here. You know, people, we're talking here about another misconception. Lots of times people think, oh, well, you know, if we try to talk to them, we're holding them back. This is so, is such a crazy notion because it's like we are substituting ourselves for God. We are um, deifying our egos and our minds. Like we have the power to hold a spirit back from doing its heavenly work. It's not true. And what I'm hearing from spirits and from Jean, too, and Jean always said this in a rhyme, what else is there for me to do? It's my full-time occupation to love you. They're just here to love us, be our guides, support us, hold our hands down the bumpy road of life. That is their work, to help us and support us and love us, help us achieve our full, full emotional, physical, and spiritual Development. That's what they're here to do. So we're not holding them back at all. We're helping them perform their heavenly work. And sometimes people will also say, Chris, oh, well, you know, if we connect with them, we can't move on with our lives. Well, this is the exact opposite. Everybody I help reconnect. And I do this every week on Hay House Radio. I have a show called Love Never Dies there, noon Tuesdays. And people call from all over the world. And when I help them reconnect, and they're grieving and weeping. And as soon as we reconnect, they transform their grief to instant joy as they re-embrace their loved ones in their spirit bodies. So the best way to re-enter your life and quote-unquote move on is to stop marinating in misery and stop drowning in grief. We reconnect. We're joyful. (laughs) And we have... So much room in our hearts to love everybody who walks the earth plane and everybody who's walking in the spirit plane. Our hearts are made to love. It doesn't stop us from moving on or continuing to love those on earth. So so after all, we go through all these misconceptions, and I help you understand the latest science that explains how this is even happening. What basically, I want everybody to take away from this, and it's very simple. I'm just demystifying it this way. You know how Einstein said, energy can't be destroyed? Yep. When we, leave the sh- when we shed the turtle shell of our bodies, what's left of us is our energy. And so what I'm talking about here is sending and receiving energetic signals. That's all it is. And we all send and receive energetic signals on a daily basis. We do it all the time. We're energetically communicating all the time, right? We park at a light. We look over at the driver in the neighboring car. Doesn't that driver always look back at us, right? Because he senses the energetic frequency of our gaze. energy. Twins know when the other twin is in trouble. They live on opposite ends of the world, but they know energetically. Close spouses know what the other is thinking, energetic communication. So basically what I show you how to do now in part three of Love Never Dies is how to tune to what I call the spirit channel in your brain so that you are able to tap into your innate God-given ability to send and receive energetic signals to spirit. And it's like any other muscle with practice, It gets better. So in the first chapter of part three of Love Never Dies, creating a state of receptivity, I give you all kinds of really fun exercises that help you tune up all your channels, all your five senses. I show you uh, how to use the breath because Jean showed me spirit is born on the breath. I give you... Uh, some exercises for creating pockets of peace because Jean showed me early on the noise of the day drowned him out and that the more quiet we are, the more we're able to hear spirit and the easier it is for them also to come through to us and for us to come through to them. And then I have five exercises for heightening all your senses because basically the more open your senses are, the easier it's going to be for spirit to send signs to all your senses, and they're doing it all the time. The more open you are, the more you're going to see the signs. Now, speaking of signs, that's the next chapter in part three of Love Never Dies, recognizing the signs. Because most people will say to me, oh, I'm not getting any signs. And then when they read this chapter or they hear me speak live, they say, oh, I'm having those signs after all, and I'm having this and I'm having that. So for most people, just becoming aware of the signs is sufficient to initiate their own reconnection because they realize their loved ones have been dropping signs on them all the time. And so this is my message to everybody listening. When you reconnect with your loved ones in spirit and you allow them to enter every corner of you, fill your heart to an overflowing well of love, heal every corner of you, mind, body, and soul, which is what they're here to do, and fill your heart to an overflowing well of love. Now that well of love is what you are free to offer to the world. And that is love never dies.
0: Very nice. This has yeah. been this has been tremendous. Yeah. I really appreciate uh, you coming on uh, on the Mystic Show, Doctor Jamie Turndorf. Um, your experience is, is inspiring, and um, it's just wonderful. I, I have so many more questions, but we you know we can't talk for nine hours uh, today. Oh.
1: Well, not today, but I'll come back. <laughs> I'm ha- I love you. You're just you're just so sweet. I love your energy. I'll come back anytime, and I want to also give a gift to your listeners, if I may. Okay. Well, who doesn't want a gift, right? Santa just came a little early. So, first of all, when you buy the paperback version of Love Never Dies, if you write to my webmaster, it's easy, webmaster at AskDrLove.com, we will send you a private video of a talk that I gave at the Bigger Game Expo where Jean made a manifestation that was captured on film. First time I captured one of his manifestations. And it's not a public video. It's just for those who buy the paperback and would love to, you know, have this free gift.
0: Very cool. All right. Well, thanks again, Dr. Jamie Turndorf, author of Love Never Dies, uh, published by Hay House. The paperback is out now. Thanks for coming on The Mystic Show
1: loved being with you have a great day
0: yeah so I hope uh, all you out there listening appreciated that I mean such amazing experiences and important changes of heart happened right you can hear it you can just hear it so as you move through your day and your weekend maybe you can think about these things maybe you can open up yourself like uh, Dr. Jamie was talking about so our website themysticshow.net check out all our previous episodes and as always keep shining